We are looking at the gospel in accordance to Christ and God's gospel, his version of the gospel, not necessarily our version of the gospel or what we think the gospel is. Um, and over the last two weeks, you know, we've been looking at uh, the need for Christ to teach us, the Spirit to be our teacher. Paul said, I was not taught the gospel, I did not receive the gospel from man, but I received it as a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. And he received that within us. So it's essential that we receive the person within us, not just the words of what the person did and make mental agreements with what the person did. There's nothing wrong with that, but that won't change you. So it's factual information. It's great. Did Jesus die? Yes. Did he rise again? Yes, he is. Is he the Messiah? Yes, he is. Is his truth truth? Yes, it is. So what? So what? <clears throat> so if all that isn't being revealed within us, then we're left with a so what? How does that impact my life? Because I can't yet quite live this life out. So we've looked at that, that it's essential that we have, and we all have the Holy Spirit as our teacher because he's the one that brings to light and life all the mysteries within us that are contained within the Christ. And then we looked uh, last week at how do we know if we're actually receiving this gospel, and we talked about then we have the corresponding life of the gospel. So everything that you read and hear is to become your reality. So we looked at words like, so that. And we looked in John where Jesus spoke and he said, I speak so that my joy may be in you. <clears throat> so we need to be the recipients of the divine work of the gospel. If we're in the gospel, we will be. And if we're not, we won't be. So we're still justified by his blood, but we're not necessarily the recipients of the work that's happening within us that Jesus died and rose again for us to experience. So our lives look the same. We struggle through life. We're trying through our own strength to overcome. Like we're trying to actually live this life. It's all about our own strength and how we are trying to be good Christians. We're trying to be faithful. We're trying to be people of prayer. We're trying to be people who serve others. Okay, that's legalism. That's not love. <clears throat> that's a legalistic approach to God. God and his gospel wants to fill you which means you're no longer you, you're a brand new creation who's been given a brand new source through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ continuously, and now you're finding yourself with the ability to live something you couldn't do before. That's how you know the gospel is working in you because it's not you, it's Christ in you. So when people look at you and I, they don't see us modified, they see Christ in us who's forming himself within us. So we now have his mind, we hear what he says, we're actually able to obey what he's commanded us to do and we can do it because we've got a brand new power source within us that enables us to live. All right. So that's what we've covered over the last two weeks. So I really hope that you're grappling with this stuff because otherwise we just go around the mountain. We're like Dorothy, you know. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Here they all come around. She'll be coming around them. Is anyone getting off the mountain and going up it? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we actually going up this mountain, being empowered by God, so we actually start seeing from a higher vantage point and we start seeing from a heavenly realm, even though we're on earth, 
because the heavenly realm is not in heaven. The heavenly realm is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is within me and growing in me. So if he is because of the gospel I'm receiving, then I see as he sees, I hear as he hears, I say as he says, and I live as he lives because I've become one with Jesus Christ. I'm not God, but I've become Christ-like. And isn't that the point? No longer human, Christ-like. So that's the opportunity we get. Thanks, Mel. Amazing. (laughs) It's truly supernatural. It is truly not of earth. It has nothing to do with earth and everything to do with the eternal. So you and I were called for a heavenly calling, were we not? But that is not in heaven. That is being outworked on earth. So the heavenly calling, called into fellowship, spiritual oneness with the Father, Son, and the Spirit to represent and reflect Him on the earth while we're all given breath. That is why you were given life full stop. Forget about being this, forget about being that, forget about being all the things that we want to be as your primary. Make that your goal and let God shape everything else. Awesome, eh? Okay. So the next question we're going to look at is a panel. Welcome, Cena. Welcome, Amanda. It's awesome to have these guys with us. And you might get a tap on the shoulder yourself. So, you know, Bible says be ready in and out of season. In and out of season. It doesn't say panic and go hide and uh, come back in a week. <laughs> Don't answer the phone. Caller ID. It's Simnor. Oh, no. <laughs> might be inviting you to come around to my house for dinner or something, you know. <laughs> So, how have we and are we receiving this gospel? How have we and are we receiving the gospel? Galatians 1.12, Paul says, For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So how have we and are we? It's through revelation. It's the only way. Okay, so we're going to ask these guys some questions. And why is revelation so essential for our transformation? Why is revelation so essential for our transformation? Mr. Willis, since you weren't here last week, mate, you can start. Cool. Morning, everyone. I think it's um, yeah, interesting question. Eh? Why is revelation so essential? You can almost take the question in two ways, eh? It's essential in the fact that it's one of many elements or it's essential in the fact that it's the absolute only vital necessity and the only way in. And I think to me it's the second one, right? It's like without, you can almost say without revelation there is no transformation. It's not one of many aspects. It is the way, you know. And to me, what you know, why is revelation so essential for, for transformation. I think you know, when, I was, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about it's, it doesn't say that Paul received information or even inspiration. It says that he received a revelation of the person. It doesn't even say it was to him. It says that he received a revelation of the person in him, you know? And I just think, you know, I don't know if anyone can, can relate. You know, you're, 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 you're reading through the, the Bible and something grabs you and it inspires you. And you're like, man, I've seen that in the Old Testament. I've seen that in the New Testament. And the dots connect and there's this aha moment. Does, can anyone relate to that? Yeah. That is not necessarily revelation. That's inspiration. Because that in and of itself, connecting the dots, 
anyone can do that. Even a non-Christian can do that. You know, you, you hear even you know people that are that are philosophers or, or or people that are psychologists use the Bible and they draw out good principles, and you can have this aha moment. I think I get it. But the fruit of revelation isn't inspiration, and it's not new information, it's transformation, you know? And so the the fruit, and to me, why is revelation so essential? Because you can go through all of that, you can have a quiet time, you can be even inspired by the Bible, the words on the page, but actually the fruit of revelation is genuine transformation. So if you've received a revelation of Christ, not just to you, but in you, the fruit won't won't necessarily be a greater informational knowledge of who he is. It'll be the ability now to have, having had the person revealed in you, to be able to live as that person lived from the inside out, you know? And so to me, why is it so essential? Because only revelation can give you the ability to, to live like him, to have love, the, the love of God formed in you so that you can actually express and demonstrate the reality of Christ on the earth. And only revelation can take you from one place to, to another, you know? And so to me, without revelation, you can know a lot about God, but your inner world will still remain the same. You know, we, we talked at Becoming One about, you know, you're having been born into Adam. And that's being born into Adam is being born separate from Christ on the inside. And, and an informational knowledge of who he is can't set you free from the reality that exists within you. You need to be born again of the spirit and receive the person in you that actually reconciles you back to to Christ and, and imparts and infuses the reality of Christ in you so that you can now live having been joined and reconciled and built up in him, you know. So I think to me that that's that's the key. It's not just one aspect, it is the way, you know. Anybody want to add to that before we ask the next question? Um, yeah, I, I love that, Sam. Just touching on the difference there between um, uh, knowledge or even knowledge that's inspired by God and revelation, because I, I hear that a lot. Someone will say to me, oh, I had a revelation today. And, and it's in one sense, it's true that, that you've now seen something that you haven't seen, but this isn't what it is that we're talking about. Um, I have an example that I want to share. Um, I'm not, yeah, not sure how I'm going to go with this. <laughs> um, so this this happened. This is a testimony about uh, which I hope is is a clear explanation of the difference between inspired knowledge and revelation. So most of you know that. Um, uh, for a number of years, I, I um, was working for myself and had a, a company and had a had some guys working for me. <laughs> I can see how this is going to go. <laughs> and um, you know, just as a as a as someone who was running a business, I just was interested and hungry for how it is that God wanted this business to go. You know, I felt like he <laughs> he he gave me the business and was leading me in it. And um, I had some staff and um, some of the people here were, were working with me. And um, 
you know, this one day he spoke this word to me and he said, he said, if you, <laughs> he said, if you build the business at the expense of, of the guys, then you've missed it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And so for a while I was investing in what it looked like to build the business. What, for a while I was investing in building the guys, knowing that it would build the business. But it was something that I was applying my intellect to, that I was very conscious of. And then not long after, and I, was, I would tell a few people about it, this is what God's spoken to me, this is what I can see. And then one time, I remember this specifically, I was in my lounge, it was after life group and I was sharing this with someone, I said, God spoke to me and he said that if I build the business at the expense of building the guys, then I've missed it. And the moment that I said it, I, I felt something, and I, and I won't say that every revelation comes with a physical sensation, but I felt, literally felt something go from here to here. And it was so it was so profound that I just was like, what was what was that? I was like, whoa, what was that? And I realized that an exchange had taken place where no longer was I living from information, inspired information that God had actually spoken to me, but something had become me. That I had a capacity in me to build guys that would potentially build the business, but my goal was no longer to build the business. My, it was a shift, and it was a, it was a physical shift that that changed how I was able to live. And it, this was such a. It must have been the next day or two days later. I was at work, and one of the guys said to me, the moment he saw me, he said. What happened to you over the weekend? He said, you're smiling like you're Tim Shadbolt. <laughs> and everyone knows who Tim Shadbolt is, right? But I, I was like, I don't even think that I'm smiling right now. Like, I don't feel on the inside like I'm smiling right now. But he could tell there was a change in me. And it wasn't because I knew something that I didn't know. I'd already had God speak a word to me that was his plan and purpose for me to be outworked in the workplace but in terms of capacity to live that innately I didn't have it in me but the moment that this revelation came it actually didn't give me any more head knowledge than I already had but I had a capacity that I didn't have and for me that's the difference between information and revelation this revelation was deposited in me and it gave me the capacity to live in a way that I hadn't lived before and that is the revelation life. We talked about it last week. Because there's a divine impartation yeah. that comes with the revelation. You yeah. know, and that's what it says in James 1.19. It says, be humble in spirit so you can receive a word implanted. I-M-P-L-A-N-T-E-D. Yeah. Implanted in your soul. It saves your soul. So you'll know if you have revelation because it comes with an implantation of the word. And like Chris has just testified to, you're able to live something you couldn't live, which is the entire point of the gospel, mm. is that if we can do it, we don't need God, do we? That's right. Like if we can actually do this thing in our own strength, we don't need him. 
And the challenge is we're the creation, we're not the creator. But if we're actually thinking we can, then we're actually on the creator's seat. And that's the problem because then as the creation, we try and go and build our lives, we try and change our lives, we try and change other people's lives, we get frustrated with our own behaviour and their behaviour and everybody's behaviour and it's just one big turmoil. And this is the beauty of the gospel, this is the beauty through divine revelation of an implantation through the power of the Holy Spirit. You now find yourself with something in you, a substance that wasn't there. You know, that's, you know, my testimony um, in relation to even this place and the way I led. You know, I had no revelation of the Bride of Christ. I'd read it, I'd heard all about it, but I had no revelation of it, I had no impartation in me. So that when the Holy Spirit, through my seeking, implanted that promise in through power, you now get the revelation, this revelation implantation, you're now seeing in the Spirit. So the eyes of your heart, not these eyes, the eyes of your heart are seeing in the spiritual domain God's primary purpose for His people. And that led to a manifestation and a demonstration of a complete shift in my own life and here. And if you were around that time, you'd know Everything changed. Like everything has changed from that revelation. Our focus, our priority, what we speak, all those things got shifted through one revelation of one promise in Him. And I've been able to live stuff I couldn't live before. And it's amazing, eh? You know, because you know it's you, but it's not you, but you know it's coming out of you. And that keeps you humble because you know it's not you. And you know you didn't get it or earn it or work it out. It was given. And so that's the place you always live from because you go, man, I want more of that, but I'm not going to think more highly of myself because I don't want to get in the way of that. And if pride does, I'll get in the way of what God wants to do. Yeah, it has to be the power of the gospel, eh? Because for me, it's like the revelation of Christ being, by being, the revelation by Christ being unveiled was the first revelation. It was the revealing of Christ that I was like, it can only be Christ to change me, to change my whole direction, to change my whole life. It had to be a revelation of him, not outside of me, but in me, because it happened outside of anything that was actually religious. And this internal thing was happening and an internal dialogue but it's it's the revelation carries is the power of Christ and it's the only thing that can literally take you out of darkness and into light and open your eyes um, and it's a, it's amazing what revelation with Christ in us eh? we don't like I remember when when I received him in me and the the opening up of the internal realm of Christ unveiled and um, it it gave me this God confidence and almost like a Christian competence where it's like I didn't know any any scriptures or anything like that, but I heard him say, go find my people and go dwell amongst my people. I needed a tangible presence of God on the earth. Go find my people. And so I actually entered into the church because he told me to, not because I knew anything really about the way of Christianity. And so it's, 
when Paul says, you know, I didn't learn this gospel from man. No one taught me anything. And I walked into this building and um, with all these beautiful people. And I mean, it's like I, with, with the, the state and the way I was living, I should have walked in there ashamed and guilty, but I didn't. I walked in there like I belonged, you know, and I think this is the revelation, the unveiling of Christ, Christ in us. It becomes the very place of like, wow, I, I've come home. I've come home. I belong with you. And where you are, I am. And where I am, you are. And it doesn't matter my surroundings. And I suddenly have this confidence that I'm right before you. And so I can be here. And I was, I was drawn to the front where all the baptisms were happening. And again, it's these rituals that are happening. But it's I was drawn to what was going on. And I am weeping, weeping, ugly crying, ugly crying. And um, I had this beautiful little old lady come, come and she said, oh dear, who, who's being baptised today that you know? And I said, I don't know, but I want to jump in that water. I don't know anyone here, but I've been baptised in love. I was baptised in love and it, it happened outside, you know, and this is the power of the gospel. It's the only thing, the unveiling of Christ, Christ crucified in us, that, that, that him coming into us, man, we we do. We co-crucify. We we join in His crucifixion, and we rise with Him again. And it comes with a competency that um, we don't get told how to be a Christian. We just now are, and we're functioning and living, and no longer. And so I don't even understand the concept of trying to reach out for God or try to attain to God or try uh, find Him in the low. I'm like, He's up there. He's down here, and He fulfills everything in between. And that's what I feel like, you know, he's lordship, he's my, he, he came and he saved me as a servant and he's fulfilled everything. And so it's not coming to know the scriptures, it's, the, it, you, it's a life where the scriptures are being fulfilled because of the word in you, prophesying and you become what, what like himself, the transformation of himself. And now when you, your life is now just demonstrating the scriptures, if you know what I'm saying. Would you consider yourself special yes I would (laughs) and and hear me now this is I I really want to talk about this this tension because I go like this I go Christ God is the beginning he's the end and he's everything in between and for God the glory of God the revealing of God to reveal himself to me little old me that's special and that's my most special possession. So yes, special, but it's available to everyone because I wasn't, man, there was nothing special about me when he picked me. <laughs> nothing as just as common and ordinary. and But not. Yeah, but not. But predestined yeah. to be. And, and that's that word value, value, isn't it? You know, you are so valuable. Like we've said, the cross isn't about your sin. Primarily it's about your value. And so because he valued humanity, he sent his greatest value to redeem you from this thing called sin. You know? And if, if you get a revelation of that, my goodness, I'll tell you, all the negativity, all the dark thinking, all the I am not goes. Like it 
goes because you have a revelation. And that's the other thing revelation does. If he reveals something, imparts something, the old goes with it. They don't coexist. You don't go, I'm this and this. It, one, one enters, one leaves. It's the greatest thing. He calls yeah. us his special possession. And honestly, I would, I would feel very confident to say this, guys. If you don't feel like his special possession, then you don't know him. Like you haven't received the love of God because you know that you belong to him. And it's, it's the belonging to the Christ that makes you spe- special and valued. You know, it's because of... And the more we, the more I get to know him, the more I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable that I have a union life with you. You know. And I think when when you don't know that you're special in that way, you'll try and find your value in any other thing that's not him. You know. And so, if you don't know that you're deeply, deeply loved and chosen by him at your absolute lowest, worst possible, most desperate state, you'll, you'll constantly be looking to, to, to be approved and valued by maybe other people through your Christianity, through your work, through anything, because you're trying to fulfill a void that actually was, you know, like eternally severed through the fall until Christ, you know, like what you are saying before, you know, but God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, as what Paul said, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Eh? And when you receive the son in you, you don't need to look for your value through other people, other things, through any natural, normal thing. Because eh? re- you, you know whose you are, who you are, and who he is. You know? so. Can I? Sorry, I'm going. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I think, I love what you said, Greg, about how, I'm really weepy today, sorry. He's just so good. And just hearing Mel share and going, yeah, that's, I know that I'm special to him now, you know. I know how good he is and, and that he would reach down and free me from so much of what we've just been talking about, the void, the approval, the behaviour-based gospel. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because when he comes... It's exactly like what Greg said, it goes. <laughs> and suddenly, and the irony is, you can't see it until he comes and shows you. <laughs> Which can sound so frustrating, but when he comes, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't have to live up to the standard anymore that I've been setting for myself because it's so exhausting. And then, then, you know, because then someone comes along and says, hey, actually, the standard's a lot higher even. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. (laughs) Now I'm really screwed, you know. Um, And, yeah, and I, I mean, I wrote that down in here, you know. um, Not only do I have to look like I'm loving, I actually have to love, you know. (laughs) So it's like this whole thing of what it looks like. But, you know, when I was freed from the behaviour-based gospel, my gosh, it's just so amazing. And and then also with that came the revelation, because it's him revealing himself, you see, and he reveals who he is. You see who he's not, <laughs> and you see who you're not meant to be. So all the things that aren't of him, they just, it's like a separated out thing. And it's, he's, he said to me, I'm other, I'm different, I'm not that. Um, and the other thing he taught me was about my conscience. You know, I had replaced Holy Spirit with my conscience. And I had been living according to my conscience. And if my conscience said everything's okay, 
then everything's okay. And I would block out what other people would say because my conscience wasn't struck or didn't feel bad or I lived a very legalistic, conscience-led life. And and then even just this week, he said to me, you know, your conscience is not me and it can't declare you innocent. You know, and Paul even says, um, I guess why I'm speaking to this because I feel like I'm not the only one potentially. You know, God... Um, oh, where do I go? Hang on, sorry. Just find the right verse. Um, as, it, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any other human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who examined me and decide. You know, when the Lord came in and when he took his rightful place, he decided and he declared me innocent. And actually my conscience just took its rightful place. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a beautiful work that he does. It's so much freedom in it. Very cool. Anyone else want to throw any light? Anything you want to share in relation to anything that was just said there? Even your own? Without revelation, it's actually impossible. It's impossible to the this life. And I've got no other, no other words to add to it. And he reminded me of the time where I fully agree with all what you said um, but when you guys were speaking about revelation as well too he reminded me of the time of um, when I received revelation of him I also saw how I was separated from him and this is this beautiful thing with him um, I saw where we my decisions what decisions I was making what I was well but it's while being separated from him, there was also a setting apart. He was also setting me apart in him. So revelation is, yes, like Sam said, it is key. And it's, yeah. And with that revelation as well too, it, your identity, you finally know your identity in him and you are not a slave, you're a son. And, Repentance, truly repenting, also too, not sorry, truly repenting, That's not right. sorry. Because yeah. if you are still saying sorry for the same thing for the, for the last 10 years, to the, and then for the next 10 years, then you haven't truly repented. So um, revelation is this beautiful. It is, he, if you have any question, comes and see me, but it is, is it so there's a the power of the person it's the power of the person eh? that ultimately is that you have received in you that does that work and I'm so grateful for that and it's interesting is it because it's the revelation that allows the repentance you know because um, you know like and it talks about godly sorrow and Paul says I'm a little bit you know stink I made you sorrowful but I'm not really because actually the life you're going to come into through this reality is transformational. And the challenge with all of this, isn't it, is that the good news actually isn't the good news until he shows you it's good news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, you know, and this is the challenge because, 
you have to you have to even get the revelation of this that we all start concealed from him. He knows us, but we don't know him. So not any person is born knowing God. And so that's why revelation is the key, because he is concealed from us, but for us. And you can't come to know him through you. And that's what I love, because then it's not about no one's intellectualism. Like the person that's got an IQ through the roof is no different to the person that doesn't have that IQ. God evens the playing field because it's got nothing to do with anything humanistic and everything to do with him. You know, and so that's good news. It's certainly good news for me of someone who sort of scraped through school, got fifth form certificate, sixth form certificate, went, I'm out of here, Jack, you know, because that just looks all too high. <laughs> and I don't think I've got the intellect for that, maybe, I don't know. And yet now in him, I find myself, I've written two books and I'm onto my third book. And I'd only read two books till the age of 29. How does that work? I've read two books, I've now written two books, I've become an author. I only read two books. It was not the smartest cookie in the jar or the sharpest knife in the tray. Now put me on a football field and that's another story, but put me in front of schoolwork, you know? And I'm so thankful because it had nothing to do with intellectualism and everything to do with humility. Everything to do with actually brokenness. And so inside a prosperity institutional model that teaches Jesus just wants to make your life good, but we forget to tell you about the true journey of how you go from being darkness to light, you're set up to fail. And so we actually wrestle with this because we actually don't think maybe that we really need him as much as we really need him. Because actually we're not that bad. Because I haven't done A, B, C, and D. Been a good Christian boy or girl with a good conscience. So I'm unaware of my real need. And I don't realize how darkened I am in my own understanding and the futility of that. So I go on thinking, actually, I can know God through me. But actually, my life doesn't reflect any of that. And so he has to bring you, eh? the, the, the true Christ will bring you to the end of you. And he will ask you this question. Will you let me be Lord of you? And until you allow that, you're really going nowhere. Until you transaction from there, you're really trying to enter into something you're never going to because you have to come to the end of that reality. You cannot be Lord of your life and have him as Lord. He's either Lord of it all or he's not Lord of any of it. And that's really confronting. And this is why I did not want to be a Christian. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is why I'll say I did not want to be a Christian because mm. I did not want to give up the lordship of my life. Right. So I wasn't going to. He trumped me. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. Hallelujah. Eh? But at the same thing, you're like, no, I don't want to be this. No, I don't want to. Well, it doesn't matter now. So there was a greater power source yeah. called Jesus Christ entered in through brokenness and did something I could never do. And now I actually wanted to be someone I never wanted to be. <sighs> Bit of a rough deal, but a great deal. Because there was no way I was going to enter into the life he had for me out of me. Full stop. I wasn't interested in it. 
Now, I'll take what he wants to do for me. Thank you very much. But I'm not going to live with you and for you. I'm going to be Lord of me. And as Lord of me, I'll take you for what I want from you. And I'll use you to satisfy me. And his love never left me. I left him. No, I didn't know him to the measure I'm trying to know him now. But here I'm saying I used God. We all do until you die and then get born of a brand new source called Jesus in you. And now you realize your absolute pride and how you lived and you're crushed and you go, how can you love me? Which actually makes you love him even more because you're seeing how he loved you in that state. And he could have left you, but he doesn't. Now that is not possible through the informational gospel. That is not possible through reading the book and figuring it out yourself. It is only possible through the Holy Spirit taking you somewhere in Him and revealing all that in you so you can see it, so then you can repent and then start living. And that can happen anywhere. That can happen here. That can happen on the beach. That can happen when you leave here. That can happen in your car. That can happen when you're sleeping. God is not limited to that work in us. It's just do our hearts want that work? Um, one of the things that I'm hearing and one of the things that I just wanted to sort of touch on in the process is the difference between the, the internal and the external. So God talks about the internal. He says, don't worry about cleaning the outside of the cup. We're talking about the inside of the cup. And I think sometimes we go, well, this is the inside of the cup because it's inside of us. But actually, this is the outside as well. The head is the outside. The mind is the outside. And the mind will never produce the life that Christ, only Christ himself can produce. So when he's talking about the inside, he's talking about the heart. Mm. And he's talking about, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road in terms of us being conformed into the image of his son. Yeah. It starts in here because out of the heart proceed the issues of life. And that you find that when this changes, the external changes, and it's actually cleaning the inside of the vessel. And I, and I feel like I, like I love the picture of something coming and something going because it really is as real as that, that a piece of Christ has been infused in here and the Chris that was has left the building. And it's not something that I even need to mentally go, okay, I'm going to do this thing now. And so when, when we hear testimony of what it means to have Christ revealed in us, we find ourselves living a way that we would have tried to intellectually live before, but now we naturally live. So Paul's a great example of this. He has Christ revealed in him, and is now living in a way that is effectively Christ on the earth to the degree that he's been revealed. Now, he's not Christ, but he's living like Christ. He finds himself inclined to the things that Christ is inclined to. He finds himself loving like Christ loves, in the face of adversity like Christ faced. And it's not because it's a good idea. It's not because someone taught him this. It's because a measure of Christ has been taken and, and put in him, and now this is who he is. And when he's talking about becoming Christ-like, he's literally talking about becoming Christ-like mm -hmm. from the inside out. 
And so I, in, in my own life, I've, I feel like I've, I've experienced this. And just to separate what's happening in here from what's happening in here, without going into details, I've had this exchange take place and sometimes months, even years afterwards, I go, oh, I'm, I'm naturally able to do this thing, but I didn't even... I didn't even understand it. I'm coming into the understanding of what this life is in me. I'm, I'm working out in awe what it is that he's done in here that I actually don't even understand. I, I could never have made this happen. He's made this happen. And I, and I see it in a moment and go, where did that come from? Or how am I able to live or love in a way that's beyond me? Because you, don't, you can't learn this. That's the spiritual dots being joined. You know, you talked about joining the dots in the scripture and sort of calling that revelation. But it's when it's when the spirit is joining the dots with your salvation yeah, is yeah. like the revealing of who he is in you. Yes. And I think really that is our, isn't that the very thing? Every time he's showing us himself in us, yeah. that is the peace. That is the joy. That is the life. That is the, it's like, man, this is what I live for, yeah. is you being revealed in me. And it says that, that, that God's, God's issue with, with um, the religious or with Israel is that they, they knew he existed, but they refused to glorify him. And so, and through the Psalms, it talks about, you know, God... Um, being displayed in the heavenlies and he's all around us and in Romans it talks about we have everything that surrounds us that the physical eye that we can't deny that God exists but he's he's like yeah I exist but I want to show you that I want to exist in you and reveal myself not on the outside but on the inside and the spiritual senses, I think part of the, 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 re, the revelation of Christ that needs to happen first before the continuous unveiling of his being that we can know him more is that it is the internal reality, it's the senses that come alive, right? So I remember within days of, of when he came into my heart and um, I was pray, praying with a, a family who invited us over and I just had a million questions because the mind was trying to catch up with what the heart was, what was going on with the internal reality. I had no theory, but I just had something, him, the reality. Testimony. Testimony. And, um, you know, I remember we, we, they, they said, okay, so what, what you need to do now is pray and ask that he comes and lives in your heart. And I'm like, he, he's living there, he's living there, but um, it's almost like close the door, on, you know, like make home. And anyway, so... so I, I prayed and after that I went to the bathroom and I remember washing my hands and looking in the mirror and being like, I'm different. Yeah. I've changed. Now nothing had changed on the outside. Still male on the outside, but it's like the eyes of my heart were now seeing differently. Yeah. I was now hearing differently. Yeah. I was now making sense of the outside reality differently it's all the joining of the dots but it's it's the joining of Christ Christ revealed um, yeah why was I sharing and what, what you're what you're hearing is the operating system of heaven okay so there's two operating systems earth and God 
And so what Mel and um, Chris are describing is the operating system of God. And so it means we have to be apprehended from our operating system. Okay, So there's two knowledges. We've looked at this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of life revelation. So one is the tree of reason, rationale, logic, earth. The root system is dead, but it produces a knowledge which is good. But because the root system is dead, it doesn't produce life. The tree of life is the tree of revelation. See how the tree of man has three things. The tree of God only has one thing because God is one. And it's the root system is life. So if you partake of the knowledge of that, it produces life. But the operating system is the key. Okay, So if we continue to try and operate from the operating system we are all from, then you're going to get the fruit of that operating system and wondering why you're not entering into this life. Now I'm fully aware and I'm just sensing right now that some people are feeling a little bit dejected by what you're hearing because you're going, that's not necessarily my reality. That's okay, but the thing is that you don't want to do is now reject or deny because of the emotion you're feeling. Okay, This is the feeling of what you need to feel to actually start dying because your humanity is going, uh, uh. Uh, and that's like, yeah, because the spirit's being released, which is the sword which needs to be crucified because Jesus, who is the crucified one, comes to crucify people, correct? So when he enters into you, he crucifies you. But you have to actually allow him to crucify you. So you can actually go, I believe what he did on the cross and not be crucified. Because you're not receiving the crucified one. Okay? Now you can pray that prayer and you may get crucified by the Christ. So the one who was crucified comes to crucify us. And this is exactly the same for every single person. So every single human being is the rich young ruler. Okay? We're all the rich young rulers. We're all the woman at the well. We're all Peter. We're all Saul's. We're all everybody before Christ. So you can't take yourself out of this and think, but... I grew up this way or that way. It's all one and the same thing. It's that kingdom or that kingdom. There's not a special kingdom for you hiding inside the kingdom of darkness where you're somehow different to everybody else. We're all lumped in this thing together. So all you're hearing is some people here and here have actually allowed the crucifixion of the will of man to happen. And some people still might know what that actually even is and are unaware it even needs to happen because this is the challenge. Unless he brings revelation, you can't figure out why these guys are talking like this and you can't figure out why this is really upsetting you. You can't figure out why this is, why are they saying this about me? Why are they telling me I need this? Why are they telling me? Because don't they know I, I don't? Well, actually, we all do. And the only way we know that is if he actually shows and it happens in you, because outside of that, what Amanda was saying is she was unaware actually it even needed to happen until it happened, which is the back to front, but right way around kingdom, because until you receive, you have no understanding. So we try to understand without receiving. He says, no, you've got to receive to understand. And when you receive, you'll know. So through receiving, you have knowledge, but man's ways, we need to know so we can understand. You're never going to know so you can understand that way which is the operating system of the flesh, which many in the body still do because we haven't actually been taught this stuff. We've been taught, pray a prayer, go get to know Jesus, 
and go do some works for Jesus. But actually, there's way more than that. And actually, we need to have him on the inside of us, coming out of us through this power of revelation, which is a work of who? The Holy Spirit. Otherwise, there was no point in the Holy Spirit coming. Zero point. Correct? So we fundamentally can't do this, guys. And that's good news. And that's why I said before, the good news isn't good news till you realise it's good news. You know? And I know, and I know Luke's nodding his head because me and Luke walk together and we've got a similar sort of story. You know, you've got to come to the end of you, which no one wants to. Like you don't lose you intentionally, do you? You never lose anything intentionally, do you? But you've got to lose you for his sake. Ugh. The greatest battle is your inner me. So your greatest battle is your flesh. If you're still the Lord of your life, that's your greatest battle. You are. The enemy pokes that guy and tells him he's okay or she's okay. So you get free of you because the enemy had nothing in Jesus. You're free. But what we've done is we've made that an excuse to not die. So then we go, the enemy is my greatest enemy. Uh-uh. Your flesh, your, if you're still living, you are your greatest enemy. And he works you over. And he'll tell you stuff and tell you, don't listen to that, don't believe that, don't believe that, don't believe that. Live for you. He will feed you lies all day long. And your flesh will, because your flesh is demonic, isn't it? So you get free of you, you get free. That's the greatest obstacle because unless you realise you need to get free of you, you don't think there's anything to get free of. I just want to just jump on what it was that Greg said there, good news. I think we miss that. I think it's easy to hear hear what it's going to cost or all these things that are so far beyond us and go, how can I do that? And that's the whole point. Like, it, you actually can't do it. And the greatest day is when you realise you can't do it. We can't do it. And I just want to, like, just just share it a little bit and just go, just because we've received a revelation of Christ, it doesn't mean that we're in the fullness of this. You know, we're, we're still walking the same way that we entered in. Right. There's things in my life that God's showing me and you know what he's, what I now have capacity for since he's been revealed in me is to really quickly go, well, I can't do that. I, I'm still learning to let go of things. I'm still learning to, to allow him to have his way. And I, I just go, actually, God, I can't make that happen. I'm, I, I need a greater measure of love. I need to to see in a greater capacity, I need to, to, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that he's showing me, but I'm not looking for it anymore. I'm not going, okay, God, I need a revelation on this or I need a revelation on that. I'm just going, God, it's you. Whatever it is you want to speak, you can. There's a restedness that comes with this and a freedom because it's good news, right? It's not hard work anymore. 
I'm not going, okay, well, Paul says that I need to be um, praying without ceasing. What does that mean? How am I going to do that? Okay, I've got a good idea about how that's going to look. God, that's way, way out of my capacity to do. But you can do that. And I'm looking for Christ to be revealed in me more and more so that my life is the demonstration of what it is that I've received. So that rather than going, okay, how do I pray without ceasing? I find myself going, Lord, we're engaged in this conversation that doesn't stop. I'm, I'm communing with you without even trying because Christ is alive in me and growing into maturity and is living as Christ lives, I find myself doing things that I wasn't able to do. And there's more. Is it burdensome when I hear that? No. Because how, how was Christ revealed in me? By some hard work that I did? No. Which is the evidence of the true ray, isn't it? You know, Because it says the commandments are not burdensome. So if it's hard to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself, you may want to ask yourself if the living God is saying that's not burdensome yeah. and you find that a burden, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah. Someone is still the Lord of their own life trying to do something they can't do in their own strength. Yeah. Now his love is covering it and he was, I don't want that. I want, you to, I want you to know what it is for the great commandment to not be burdensome. I want you to be able to come into the good news because that's good news because that frees you from your position. But when you are exposed like that, you have a choice to make. And you can run away and hide, justify, deflect, ignore, make every excuse up you want and that will not alter his love for you. But what that does mean is that you will not partake of the life he has for you because you're saying, I don't want it. You're actually saying, I don't want it. He wants to give it, but you're actually saying, I don't want it. So you're like the rich young ruler who got found out and walked away. Now, that doesn't mean because you walk away today that you won't come back. Okay, but what I do know is every no hardens the heart. How did they leave their first love? And God said, unless you come back, I'm taking your lampstand off you. They were doing amazing things, and that is the hoodwink right there. That the challenges we're talking about an inner life, okay? We're not talking about the external life, we're talking all about the inner life. As the Lord of your own life, you can use his name and do the things that you read about here. You can lay hands on the sick, you can tour the world, you can preach, the, you can do all the functioning aspects of Jesus Christ. Do you know that is the greatest hoodwink to what we're talking about? Because you go, why do I need to change when I can do all these things? And I go, yeah, but can you actually deny you yet? Can you love humanity like God yet? And if you can't but can do all the stuff, is that an issue for you? And if it's not, Cool, but it's an issue for me as far as my own walk with him because I want it all. And I don't want to be like Peter that ends up denying Christ when I'm asked something I can't give away, but I can actually lay hands on someone and do miracles, but it tells me unless I actually have love, I'm a gong. I don't want to turn up on that judgment day and here I was a gong 
and go, Lord, Lord, I got 100 people saved. I got 100 people saved to cancer. I led your church. I laid my life down. He says, son, you never had the substance in you called me. I don't know you, meaning I know you don't know me. And you didn't allow me to truly be God in your life because you wanted to be the Lord of you. And I came multiple times and I brought you to that T intersection multiple times, but you went right when you should have gone left. And I'm fully aware of my own reality that I did not want God until I got to the end of me. That is not an attractive message to the person that doesn't want death, what I've just said. I understand that, guys. Please hear me. I understand that gospel is not attractive to the flesh, but it is the gospel. So we have to bring the gospel because to not is to not love you. It's actually to hate you. To not preach the truth to you and lead you to the pathway of life, which we've all come into, is to actually hate you. You can. I think that's actually that's absolutely right that none of us want to go there. But the most amazing thing <laughs> is that when God, <laughs> we say that, but when God shows up and is so overwhelming and loving and revealing and inviting and when the word pierces you like you're hearing someone say words but you are receiving a word the word in you when it comes and does that it it's the most relieving moment of your life and when it happened to me in fact, right now, I would stand up. Oh, I don't even care what you think of me. I would tell you all my stuff if you want to hear it. Because I, I really don't care. Because when it came, it was at the well for me. And there was a whole bunch of people. And I didn't know all of them that well. And Greg was speaking. I, 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 was, just tw- I was twisting in my chair. I was like squirming. I was like, Greg, if you don't stop speaking. Not because I wanted him to, but because the word was so heavy on me. I'm just going to start manifesting right here on the ground and you're going to hear all my stuff. And it was so powerful that it just took over. It was like possessing me. And and as it was doing the work, I just knew carpet had, uh, face had to be on carpet and it didn't matter what it looked like and it just all came out. Just the repentance. It was just the natural response to receiving the word. There was nothing else I could have done. I wasn't sitting there going, well, that's embarrassing or this is really uncomfortable. I don't like that. Whatever. Because when it comes, it comes, man, and it comes in such power. You don't you don't have a chance. It's, he's, it's your appointed time. So actually, in some ways, you know, it's like you just keep asking, seeking, knocking. But when he comes, man, <laughs> he's going to do what he wants to do and it's going to be awesome. So, it's, you know, don't be afraid of it. Be excited because what will happen is he will show himself to be so large that you will just innate, you'll just innately give yourself to him. He just will. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> and whether you, you probably might not have an awareness of but there is something missing that you've been looking for until he reveals himself. There's a completeness there. You have no awareness that there is something missing. So, 
yeah, um, be aware of that too. I mean, no, it's, it's really hard to explain it, but I had n no idea that the void, I thought the void that was left in one's heart was due to losing um, family members. But I realised that wasn't the void. The void was him. Yeah. That was the void. Yeah. And, and so, like Sam mentioned, I was looking, looking. I searched. I searched. And if you know me well, I will go to the ends of the earth and I will get it. And that was the <laughs> determination as well too. But it was... Yeah, the revelation of the void that you are unaware of at the moment is for him and him only. That's what you're created for. That's it. And you know, while you might have thought that the void was your family members, I thought that the void in me was that I wasn't devoted enough to God. You know what I mean? And, and that left me just as empty as if I had no parents. Do you know what I mean? Be because even though I've got the most fantastic parents, it's actually not about your external situation, right? It's like that there's a that something that happened to us through the fall that we've been separated from him and, and the only and that's the gospel, right? It's reconciliation back to him, you know? And so whether we're trying to find life through through that avenue or whether we're trying to find life through our Christianity the enmity towards God is exactly the same in both situations, eh? You know, and, and in um, Ephesians, Paul says, you know, the, the, the remedy is actually for, for this person and for that, for both, it's through the cross, you know, and that we need to come to this point where your heart screams, hey, you know, and you receive in you the person of Christ that sets you free like we heard from, from ourselves, eh, you know? And and there's and there's no other way, hey, you know. And and I think that to me, I I feel like there's everyone in this room has a completely different upbringing, completely different situation, but actually there's one gospel that will set us free, hey, you know. And, and it's Him, you know. And I I grew up hearing that the gospel should be good news, and always having an underlying question that was niggling in the back of my mind thinking, man, the gospel should be good news, but I actually just don't know it as good news. It's yeah, not, yeah. I know that it should be good, but it's actually just not good to me, you know? And that, I would never have admitted that, but I, I always, that, that was always there because I, I always thought it should be, but it actually, the reality is that it isn't. And that's because I, I just, I didn't know that there was more than what I could know. And I just thought the Christianity that I knew and the insecurity and the anxiety that I felt towards God and other people was just normal. I just thought that that was just what it meant to be a Christian because I was the most devoted person that I knew, you know, without having a reference point for what true life actually was. And until you receive that reference point, it's that that ruins you. For, you know, it's, it's uh, until you receive him, you don't know what it means to not receive him, hey, you know? 
and you're absolutely blinded to the fact that there's more on offer that you just don't know about, you know? Um, and that is the de- that is the deception. It was more than a deception, eh? It's a, it's a delusion because you think something, you think that you know in, in something that actually there's more to know than what you don't know, you know? And unless you receive him, you don't know that there's that there's more that's on offer, eh? And, and I think, to me, the question that underpins all of this is that, you know, there's, what, 200 people in this room whose hearts, you know, when when the word is, is proclaimed as stirred, you know, and it, and it says of the, I think Sandria shared about this a, a little while back, you know, that, you know, when we hear his voice, you know, it says, do not harden your hearts like those who were in the wilderness, hey, you know? That does, when the word goes forth, does it produce this rest in us? Yeah. Or are our hearts hardened to what it is that we're doing and they go harder and harder and harder and push away the gospel that's the good news that's actually for us, eh? you know? And when, when our hearts are found in that broken place, man, all of a sudden what wasn't good news all of a sudden is, and the things that you were rejecting all of a sudden is what the very thing that saves you, eh? you know, um, and so you receive the gospel as good news for the first time, maybe having been a Christian for so many years, you know, and so it's it's good because all of a sudden now it's it's been, rev- he's been revealed as and it's good to you, you know. So. And the challenge is it's not to dig up your past. It's not to look no. at the past. It's not to look at what you're not. It's to look to him. So it says Christ, Christ crucified. If Christ reveals himself, he crucifies you. You don't get crucified by looking at being crucified. You just allow the Christ to do what the Christ has come to do. Maddie and I watched this lame movie. You know, watch those lame movies where you watch it and you're going to finish it, but it's lame, and you're going, "Man, this is lame. Why are we watching this?" But we watched it anyway, you know. And it was sort of one of those end of the world sort of movies um, on Netflix, and it was a real bad one. But you know, it's like, "No, we're going to watch this. <laughs> How does this end?" And, and what was fascinating was everyone couldn't sleep. Don't watch this movie, by the way, if you go, okay? Um, it's not one of those ones you watch. But, but something had happened, and no one could sleep on the earth. And of course, you know, if you can't sleep for days, you get insomnia and all these things. And what's happening is everyone's starting to lose the plot and kill each other because no one can sleep. But there's this one girl who, before this thing happens on the earth, um, or while it's happening, uh, she's in a car with her brother and the mother, and there's a car accident, and they get knocked off the road into the water, this lake, and she drowns. Okay? And they come out, and they get brought back to life, and she, uh, through getting brought back to life, isn't influenced by what's happened on the earth. So she can sleep. Okay, So she's the only one that can sleep. So they're trying to get her to this particular place that the government has set up because they're trying to do some study about her to try and figure out how she can sleep so they can save humanity. <laughs> While this is all going on, everybody's going nuts and it's like mass anarchy and everyone's breaking up and looting. It's like the worst world today, you know. <laughs> Man, it sounds like a great movie. <laughs> no, it's not. Trust me, it's not. It's very average. Anyway, um, her brother uh, ends up being killed. Um, and she um, figures out through this um, intervention, this they're trying to keep this other lady alive, that, you know, the paddles. So she quickly runs in, grabs the paddles, zaps the brother, and she doesn't know whether he's alive or dead. And um, 
I think there's an explosion goes off and they all sort of lie there and, you know, it's, I don't know, like two hours have gone by and they start to wake up and, and the girl wakes up and the brother actually has been asleep. And so this actually shock on his heart um, somehow, although he died, brought him back to life. So he was dead, the shock brings him back to life and now he can sleep. So now the son, the, the, her brother and the daughter can sleep, but the mother can't. Okay? Meanwhile, anarchy, everything's going on, the end of the world's all happening, and so they're driving away from this place, trying to go somewhere, I don't know where they're trying to go, and they realise the mother needs to die before she can come back to life and sleep. Because they figure out that's what happened to all them. Is that the young girl went, I died wasn't influenced, came back to life and now I've been able to sleep. Then she realised what she did to the brother, he died and he brought it back. So the mother needs to die okay, for her to actually sleep and be alive. So they say, and she's now pretty delusional, she's like, like this, you know, and they say this, mum, trust us. And they pull her out the car, they take her to this lake, they pull her into the lake and they say, mum, trust us. And they put her under the water. And they hold her under the water. And she's like, like this. And they're like, and they're crying and they're holding her down. Gone. They bring her out the water, do CPR, bang, she's awake. And now they're all in the same reality. They're alive, they can sleep. I don't know how they fixed humanity, but anyway. <laughs> the point was, she died to have a new breath of life to start living a life that was new. It's the same for us. Wow, I love that. I love that. Because how great is his power towards those who believe? And that's, that's the trust thing of like, I mean, if I die, am I going to come back to life? The mother's like, you know, if, if this is it, if death is final, but not in Christ, death is not final, it's lost its sting. And he has overcome by his life, right, the power of sin and death. And because he's done that, and Paul says, you know, if, if we don't believe that he was crucified and risen again, then what's our faith based on? And that literally, what that means for us is if we, if we actually don't believe by heart, conviction, that Christ died and rose again, and that to be co-crucified and co-risen means to co-heir and co-labor, that that life on, on offer, that promise to become one with him and rise again and now live in union with him, that is the promise. And I think that's where the actual, there's a deep distrust of, will I really enter into the promised life? That word that I'm hearing, do I really believe that? And, and no one can help you there. <laughs> that's, that has to be the work of the Spirit, only the Spirit can convince, you know, can do that work, right? And I think that that's why you would hear the good news as actually lost to you, you know, because when you hear it, you, you hear that it's, something's going to be taken away from you, but that, you know, and until you reach that point mm-hmm. where you realise there's no other way, yes. it's always going to sound like loss as opposed to great gain, because the very thing that's most precious to you yeah. is you and your life, you know, and you would never give that up unless you receive a power in you that's of, that is, has a greater substance that's all of a sudden better than the life that you thought that you were living for, you thought that you, was yours, but you were never actually created for. You know? 
scenes. And one thing I should have mentioned in the movie is the mum, <laughs> she's the hero, so she's the strong one. But because she hasn't slept, like she's an ex-military, she's a bit of a ninja mum, but because she hasn't slept, she becomes weak. So by the time they go to drown her, she's not in her full strength. Like she's almost ready to die. Okay, so that's the point, is that if you're strong in you, you're not being drowned by a little girl that's 12 and a son that's 14. Okay, because you would owe, she could overpower them because she's a ninja. So with her not being able to sleep, she's actually, her flesh is weakened. So she surrenders a lot easier to two people that she's actually stronger than. And obviously we know he's stronger than us. So that's that reality of actually getting to the end of you and being willing to allow that process. But it's actually life, isn't it? So it's not death, it's the start of life. Questions, we've got 11 minutes. Danny. So well, I'll bring it back to the, to the revelation and, and the inspired. And the question for you, Chris, um, you beautifully articulated that as an experience. And um, I guess for you, can you tell us what the manifestation and demonstration was when you you felt the impartation of the word, you, you'd obviously postured to the word, and 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 you were doing <laughs> what you thought you were doing or postured to do, but then you gave testimony. Now you had a capacity to carry out that word. Can you give what did that look like? Now physically, we've got a testimony of something is different, but what did that mean for you? Was it I don't know, less stress, I don't know, is there, are there physical things you can give testimony to? Um, good question. Um, Which way am I supposed to look? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question, Danny. So I, to be honest, I can't even think of anything off the top of my head. No. Well, I can speak, because I would make... Chris and we still meet regularly and every two weeks and he would share some of the stuff and I think just the way you were dealing with some of the staff and some of the issues and some of, I can say there's some of the, the work that may not have hit the standard and how you dealt with that and some of the hits that you know you took of that and so we dialogue about that and I could see how Chris was processing from love and walking with uh, his his brothers and as a boss his employees um, and the tension of all that you know it's like because some of the stuff needed to be addressed, but you know the work may not have been up to a standard it needed to be at. But he would talk about how he was addressing that and actually putting the people first and believing all things and wanting, you know, and so trying to help the skill level come up and at times still wearing the cost of that, you know. And the easiest thing would just be to go see you later, you know. But love doesn't do that, love pays the price and paid the price even financially to see if we could actually help a brother um, get better at the work. So I was living testimony to those sorts of things of, of your patience and your kindness and your gentleness. Um, and it's amazing, you know, just even this particular person who, who doesn't come here, but then just seeing them in another environment flourish. It was amazing. Do you know what I mean? So well done, bro. Thanks. Um, yeah, I feel like um, one of the things that you asked about then, Danny, was about the the less stress. Well, it was 
There was a rest in it. So a, the rest thing is probably something that I can give testimony, which isn't um, a specific. So it wasn't like um, build these guys and then, um, okay, now I'm going to put you on a course to do this. It was actually a, a heart position that found itself able to um, live a certain way in any, any situation. And this is, the, this is the thing that we have in Christ, that we have, such, we have so many examples of situations. So it's easy to read the scriptures and go, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do here, or this is what I'm supposed to do here. And we have examples, and, and, and it might seem like that's always the example. But, you know, one of the things that, like Jesus said to Nicodemus, is he says, those that are born of the Spirit are like the wind sometimes. You don't know where they're coming from or where they're going. They might actually live in a way that just blows your mind because it doesn't, necessarily fit the box that you've tried to put it in so so rather than going when this situation happens here I'm going to do this or when this situation happens here I'm going to do that when any situation turns up love is already there to meet it and love will do what love does and so rather than going I'll explain it like this if if your child that you love physically comes up to you and says something to you, what is your response to that? What about if a stranger on the street comes up to you and says something to you, and let's say both statements are offensive to you. So your child comes up to, let's say it's you, Mel, and your child comes up to you and says, um, you're smelly today, mummy. <laughs> and, and I know that your child would never say that to you, Mel, because you always smell lovely. Um, but let's, let's say that, right? You're going to go... <laughs> well, well, because of the love that you have for your child, you, you hear it a certain way. Well, if a stranger comes up to you on the street and says, you stink today, Mel, how do you hear it? And I, just, I, I can say that from my own testimony because that's an example that, that God used in me and showed me where I realized that my response to my child could be different to a to a, someone on the street, and God's like actually love sees through this lens all the time. So love will assume the best. Love doesn't take account of wrong. Love's patient and kind. You know the things that that we read, but it's not just a okay. What does it look like to be kind and patient in this moment? Love will naturally respond in a way that's assuming the best and and doesn't take account of wrongs. So when someone that we don't know turns up and does that, you go, actually, I'm okay because that doesn't have the power to derail me, just like my child doesn't have the power to derail me. And I can respond to that in love because I have love. And today it might be this, tomorrow it might be that. There's no formula for it other than the reality of Christ being found in me and he will do what love does. Question for you guys. Be good if someone is brave enough and bold enough to answer this question. What are you guys hearing? So it's critical that we're hearing what's being said and not hearing what's not being said. Anybody want to? Yep, that's, that's true. Right. 
So that's what you're hearing us say, Warren? Cool. Awesome. You're hearing the truth? Um, yeah. I'm picking up breaking walls down. That's what I'm picking up. Say that again, sorry. Breaking the walls, you know, breaking the you down, the wall, wall, so, which is huge. Daily, ba daily battle. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's been good. Yeah, um, probably what I've been hearing for ages is really the dying to self of, the, of a Christian. But um, if we're talking about revelation, isn't it really the revelation of Jesus Christ? And doesn't that start when anyone in this whole world uh, receives Jesus Christ as their saviour? Uh, after all, the, it says in the word that the angels in heaven rejoice over anyone who receives Jesus Christ um, so I feel like you you can you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth is, is what the scriptures say um, to, in order to be saved and, and 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 what we've been describing is that that is absolutely true and correct but that's part of the message it's not the whole message you know that that's that's justification what what we're talking about this receiving revelation of Christ in you that crucifies the flesh is you you can you can make a, a mental agreement that Jesus Christ is is your um, is your savior he forgives you from your sins you cross over from death to life you um, it, you know you're rescued out of hell and into heaven, absolutely. And many, many believers believe that, and it's fantastic and it's right. But you can do that and not necessarily have the capacity in you to live like Christ and to have love in you that's, that is so selfless and so pure that your entire life now shifts and you go from living for you to wholeheartedly living for him and like we've heard this morning that 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 power in you is so innate that it has you living entirely different to the way that you used yeah. to live and I feel like I'm so in intimately acquainted with this having lived as a Christian for so many years and realizing that even my Christianity was an expression of my own um self-centeredness and my own ability to live for him and please him but without the power in me to actually live this innate life out and so I think does that make sense so you can you can pray a prayer and not necessarily have received the revelation of Christ in you that crucifies the flesh to the extent that you can live like he did on the earth and I think the challenge, just to add to that, is what is God wanting us to talk about when God wants us to talk about? Now, what I mean by that is, so Terry said, we're talking a lot about dying to self. Personally, I go, no, we're talking a lot about living in Christ. So me and Terry have a slightly different opinion on that. Now the challenge is you need to talk about both 
Because until you're aware of a reality, you're unaware. So we spent a whole year talking about LOVE. And we went through and pulled it all apart, which means we're talking about Christ. Now the challenge is, if you're unaware, everyone goes, yeah, we're all in that. But the challenge is, does your, love, does your life say that? So are you the demonstration of that? So here's the challenge is when we talk about Christ, okay, rather than Christ crucified, knowing you're going to talk about both, over a period of time you should be talking about one reality. Because Christ, Christ crucified is one reality but two statements, correct? Okay, so you always want to be leading with Christ. But the challenge is, and what Terry's saying is, well, I receive Christ, so why are you talking about Christ crucified? Because I'm already in this life of Christ. But does your life reflect that? And you can talk that all day long, and everybody thinks they're it. Okay? But our lives don't reflect it, or they do. So then you have to make people aware of the other side of the coin, which hopefully makes people aware whether they're are in Christ or actually need to be Christ crucified because we yet to actually experience that because my life doesn't actually reflect I'm in this love. Does that make... Can you hear what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So both have to be in the picture and sometimes God will say, I want you to focus on this because this is what my people need. So we could say, we might be talking, let's say, on another week of the month, we're going to talk about Christ crucified. So everyone's aware. And if we're in Christ and being crucified, we're all going, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, because you know that process and transaction and you're in that life. Because we're all in different places, we need to talk about both, but the both are one reality. And so that's what brings us into the fullness of this life. And that's why your life demonstrated is the evidence of the Christ you're in full stop and that is why it becomes so confrontational and so exposing and it needs to to show you if you're really in love Christ but not for the purpose of pulling you down not for the purpose of making you feel stink it's none of that for condemnation guilt shame it's for the purpose of showing you the opportunity you have to enter into this life and like my brother said there so the walls that I might not even know are up come down because he is not a liar and he promises what he says. So if he says it and my life isn't reflecting it, then it's either an issue of time or it's an issue that I might not even be aware of or it's an act of opposition where I'm opposing this reality and I just want you to talk about X rather than talk about Y because I might presume I've got X, but does my life look like X? And if it doesn't, then I'm not an X. So does that help? And that's why we do what we do, because it's one gospel. And the gospel produces the life of Christ in. And so that's what, and I love what Amanda said, the standard is beyond us. Okay? And it's beyond us, so we know it's beyond us. So we know our need to be raised up from a divine power, not us. Because if we could do it again, we would have figured it out by now. But we can't. And the challenge is there are other models that you can go and sit under that'll tell you you can. And they're everywhere. Okay? But the challenge is can you fulfill that? Because that is the first.
Yeah? That is the number one. So if you want to ask yourself, what's the first thing? The first work of God is to believe. It's to carry revelation of the heart of who he is and what he says. So does my life reflect lordship and obedience? I would start there if it's not. We can all say he's the Messiah. We can all say we believe in the truth and our lives don't reflect it correct. Now, once again, love is covering that. So that's the place you start. From that place, revelation, you actually find yourself loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Number two, you find you're able to love your neighbour like you love yourself. You're actually fulfilling the great commandment, which is your covenant instruction, because you're in a marriage covenant that is not to be broken, and you're able to keep your covenant. Okay? So if you can't keep it, what are you? You're an adulteress. But if you don't even know you're in a covenant and you're supposed to be keeping a covenant, then you're unaware. So we have to bring this reality to us to go, hey, we're friends of the world. That's not who we're called to be. We need to allow the crucifixion to happen so we can actually be a friend of God and not just think we are, but don't have a life that reflects it. And that's why Paul said, my life is the message, man. He said, my life's the message. I used to come preaching fancy words. There's so many people that do that. My life is the demonstration of whether I'm in wisdom or not. And he says, then they wouldn't have killed the Christ and demonstrated that wisdom had they known the Christ. So wisdom is demonstration. What you demonstrate is the wisdom you're in. Is it darkness or light? And Paul is saying, my message ain't about preaching. It's not about fancy words. I am the message. Are you? Are you a letter people read and see love? That's the question I ask myself every day. When people read me, do they read love? Am I love? Written with spirit, not ink. On a soft heart, not a hardened heart. On tablets of stone. 2 Corinthians 2, 3. So when people read you, when you read one another, do you read Christ? And it's just the opportunity we get. We get the opportunity, guys, to be Christ-like. You get the opportunity to be free of the stinking earth. You get the opportunity to be free from your stinking thinking, your bondage, what your mum and dad may or may not have done to you, what brothers and sisters, other people, all the hurts, all the offences, all the bitterness. You get an opportunity and I have to be free of all that and live a completely different life because of the power that went to the grave, that rose again and that can be in you and I through our Surrender, full stop. And that's all he asks for, guys. There's one thing he asks for is your heart. That's all he asks for. I'll do the entire lot. Your one thing, if you want to be complete, is give me you. And that's all he asks the rich young ruler, the woman at the well, Peter, James, John. Will you give me your heart, your whole heart? And trust me, I will hold it beautifully. I learned that lesson from giving it away and getting it squashed by a female. And I've never, ever given my heart to anyone again. Why would you? Correct, to Christ. Why would you give it to a human when when you've learned a human went, that's how much I can handle it. And I was doing the same. Amen.
So Father, I thank you. And I thank you that we can ask these questions. I thank you that we're not afraid. Thanks, Terry, for that question, mate. Thank you for everyone that's asked the questions because we need to come before you, Lord, and grapple together as a family and wrestle in love, from love, for this dimension that's to be in us as a people called your church. That we can be so one that non-Christians look and know you were sent for them. Because we're so of the same mind, of the same spirit, of the same love, intent on one purpose, which is yours and yours alone, that we've left earth and entered into the eternal to be living for you and you alone as ambassadors of your kingdom being outworked here on earth. Sons of royalty that don't live as slaves or orphans begging, but who lay hold of all that you have laid hold for and wait to be given through the power of revelation, the substance of your Son, 24-7. So Father, again, I just want to thank you for what you're doing here in our hearts and our minds. I want to thank you for the church that you are building through the power of your Son, Jesus, through the gifts that you have given and the anointing and the grace on those gifts. I want to continue to ask you just to show and reveal yourself where we're all really at. So together we can move forward as one, encouraging one another, edifying one another, exhorting one another in love, helping one another, disciplining one another. That's what's needed in love, that we could reach the fulfillment and the overflow of being one with you, of being of one faith, one love, intent on one purpose, being this mature bride. We ask this in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, guys. Come out tonight, uh, unpacking John 6. Have an awesome afternoon. Any questions, feel free to come and ask or fire them through to greg at therock.org.nz. Thanks, everyone.